Today on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. Back then, a bad month would lose money, you know? In a bad month now, we don't make a seven-figure net profit. You don't intentionally do it. Yes, you love your kids and you die for your kids and your family and your wife, but you were subconsciously putting the business first. Ask them if they're a good plumber, they're going to say yes. Are they a good business owner? Most of them will reluctantly say, yeah, I'm okay. But no one actually sits down and, you know, says, hey, you know, you need to create a company. But no, no, I'll just keep smashing the jobs, I'll do the invoicing at night. Lots of business owners have a dream of hitting a million dollars in annual revenue, yet for others, they hit a million dollars in revenue a month and crack a million dollars in profit a year. Now on today's episode, I interview Matt Alexander from Plumboot, who is a member of the Million Dollar Tradie Program and has built a multi-million dollar plumbing business. Now Matt is a very talented entrepreneur and one of the most generous people I've ever met. Tune in as Matt and I discuss first how he built his business and then once the money was flowing, how he structured it so that it gave him both the money and the time and the lifestyle that he could share with his wife and four children. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where every week we help you make more money, get your time back, and make life and business a whole lot more fun. Join us as we transform your plumbing, electrical, or similar service business into a successful operation. Don't miss a beat. Hit the follow button. Let's get started. Well, howdy team. It's Tony Fraser-Jones here, the host of the Profitable Tradie Podcast. Uh, I've uh, ditched my mate Phil Smith and upgraded uh, today. Uh, Matt's here in the studio with us, Matt Alexander from Plumbuilt. Welcome, Matt. It's awesome to have you here, buddy. Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah, man. Uh, it's going to be fun today. Um, look, man, I was going back through the notes of when you actually joined the Million Dollar Trading Program, and it makes some pretty interesting reading. It's February 2021, I think. Yeah, a few uh, years ago now. Yeah, a couple of years. And, mate, you already had a really successful business, so you know revenue was sort of around, uh, I think, around $9 million. You had a team of around 70 and you were making good, you know, good seven-figure profit. So everything looked great from the outside. You'd done some cool stuff, but I think it was probably a little bit of a different story on the inside in terms of how you were feeling with the business. Uh, the notes say that you know pretty much everything was revolving around you, and you were you were you know you were making all the decisions, and you didn't have the management support that you that you wanted, and the roles around who was doing what wasn't that clear, and maybe the structure wasn't mapped out uh, as well. And this was making life really tough for you. Lots of stress, you know, lots of busyness probably a little bit of anger and frustration, uh, and you were burning out uh, pretty quick. So what I'd love to do to kick off, mate, is can you talk us through why it was important for us to make some changes? Yeah, cool. I, I just felt um, 70 people. I was running running fast as really to keep up. Yeah, I was, it was high stress, as you said. Um, it wasn't just work. Like, from the outside, it looked like, you know, Matt's doing well. He's got all this stuff going on. But, you know, really, behind the scenes, I was dragging some of my kids up, four kids, you know, just got lot of effort no me time I was just making everyone happy which was you know from the outside again looked easy but yeah I, I scaled chaos as well I done I scaled it to a big scale and um, after a little while the stress uh, my body actually got high cholesterol um, you know I was kept fit but it's just stress actually can build cholesterol um, learned that later so yeah I was, I was wrecking myself I was on the way to an early grave and everyone was going to enjoy a big party with all the money I'd made on the way through so need, I needed to do something yeah yeah, that's massive, man. And um, you talk about the stress affecting your health. Uh, I, I've had a similar thing uh, with blood pressure. Uh, so I didn't get the cholesterol, I've got the, the hypertension. Yeah. And uh, it's driven by being on the go and kind of squeezing yourself tight to try and make everything work. So it has a real effect, doesn't it? You don't know it's there until mm-hmm. it's there and you can't, you got to do something you about it. You can't ignore it, it anymore. Yeah. 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 And you have four kids. So what, what ages are your kids? Uh, four, six, nine, and 13. So. Big spread. 
12 years of changing nappies. I've just got out of that, so that was a big success. There's very few people in the world who know what you uh, mean, but I do. Yeah. Uh, with four kids and uh, a big spread, I think, a similar age range. Yeah. Uh, and it is busy, isn't it? Were you as good as I was avoiding changing nappies for 12 years? Um, did you not change any nappies? I've, uh, the last few years, I've just avoided the out of it, to be honest. Just, just, just left I was there. like, we're just done. We're just, I've got my own problems. I have to say, I possibly could have done more. Maybe I stayed at work a few times to avoid the nappies. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's not tell Bronwyn that. But um, it's pretty stressful when you're trying to run a business and you know, you've got a few kids, let alone four. Uh, there's a lot going on, isn't there? There is, yeah. Towards the end of the like, two, th- two, three years ago, I was dragging my kids up, I felt, and it wasn't going to get any better. And that's, it's unfair on them to yeah. When you say kids. yeah, when you say dragging them up, what what do you mean by that? You're just missing things. You're not teaching them the things you could. You know, you're not being a dad. You know, yeah. You know, we we get a nanny in to help me. We've had one for a while, which has been great to enable my wife to work, um, which is awesome. But you know, they don't do the stuff you do as a dad. And my my eldest son, I, I feel I missed a couple of things with him, um, building the business. And yes, I provided a great life for him, but I've I've missed a few steps. So. Coming to the other ones, and I'm like, you know, I'm patching and building, rebuilding yeah. some of those steps with the older son, but I won't miss those other steps again for the younger ones. I've, you know, yesterday I was at uh, the four-year-old's daycare, Father's Day, I was dancing at a disco at 4.30 with a four-year-old and a whole lot of other dads. We look like a bunch of weirdos, but, you know, you, that's the stuff you miss. That's a great lesson, isn't it? And and uh, in some ways it's uh, it's awesome that you've had the opportunity to sort of do it again, do a do-over. Yeah, uh, with, if you have enough kids. That's right, yeah, well, yeah, you're like me, enough kids, so eventually yeah, you'll yeah, get it right. Correct um, formula. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So, yeah, this stuff does have a, a massive impact on your your ability to, to be the dad or the husband, et cetera, that you want, or even the friend you want to be. Yeah, it does, yeah. I felt, you know, I was driven to put the business first, you know. It wasn't, you don't intentionally do it. Yes, you love your kids and you die for your kids and your family and your wife, but you were subconsciously putting the business first and you are scaling it. You scaling that chaos, and you become the yes man to your customers because you need them to be happy to pay the bill to feed the woman seventy mouths looking at you, yeah. so you can then feed your kids. So, yeah, a bit more control is what was required. Yeah. So let's look at that. So can you tell us uh, how does the business uh, look now? You know, what are the changes that you've seen? Um, but nine million, and we think we've was revenue. We've turned it to the same amount of guys. We've turned it up to th- I think we almost hit thirteen last year which is quite good for our Auckland branch. Back then, a bad month would lose money, you know. We're always losing money. You know, a bad month now, we don't make a seven-figure net profit. That's a, become a bad month, which to me is not so bad. Putting those systems in place, putting that structure, everyone talks about systems, systems, but you've got to build them. They don't They don't happen overnight. There's, there's a year, two, three, four years to build. Properly, oh, yeah. Especially yeah. with 70 guys. It takes some work, right? Yeah. What about your role and the, you know, the roles, the structure and stuff? How is that change or how does that look now well at the moment I, I, I've, I've got five people that report to me you know three years ago I had probably about 50 people reporting to me um, so my, my roles kind of pulled back a bit I've been able to spend more time working on the business and working on myself but one thing that you mentioned to me was put your own oxygen mask on first and that it like really resonated with me because my oxygen mask wasn't on everyone else's was on and so but putting that on, I've managed to get myself right. And I've said no to those other people. Get away, I, I, you can deal with this. And I've just taught a very specific group of people within the company their roles very, very well. And I'll continually nurture them through the company. And they help me do what I do rather than have to fix everything. Um, you have to let shit slide off the cliff to go pick it up. You can't sit at the top of the cliff trying to hold everyone back because you'll kill yourself. You'll go over the cliff. 
Yeah, and, and sometimes uh, exceptional people and talented people like yourself can do it for a while. You are being successful and making money, and it can almost be a little bit of an addictive thing because you, you, you feel like that's what's made it successful. Yeah. But it's not really what you need to do in the long term, is it? No, it's not, it's not scalable. Yeah, you're running fast, real yeah. fast. You almost scale it, but it's just not sustainable. Yeah, put the treadmill on full speed, full incline, and hop on it. See how far you can go. Yeah, you yeah. got seconds, thirty seconds. Yeah, know. yeah, and even if you're super fit, which yeah. uh, which some people are, eventually you just can't carry on. Yeah, you can't. You got to find your pace, find what you're comfortable, and set your target, and you can grow. You can scale it from that. Yeah. So, what have the results uh, from the business meant for you personally and your family, Matt? Um, number one, I'm present for them. I'm now going to the daycare last night. You know, went skiing the other week. It's been, yeah, so for the family, it's been massive. Um, we've owned holiday houses that we haven't even had the time to go to because we're making money, we can buy them, but it's just they just sat empty. One sat empty for four months and we never went there just because we're busy. You know, I work all week, I don't have the time to go up there. I've got to do this on Monday. And, you know, so it's giving them the time back and we've created a lifestyle and a wealth. You know, it's not just a financial wealth, it's a family wealth as well. And, there's a lot still to work on. I don't say we're perfect, like no one's frigging perfect, but mm. I've set the target and I've set the, you know, I've set the pace. And so I feel that just being able to step back, it's changed everything. I think two months ago I took 20 days off work. It was June or July and we had one of our record months. We signed some big jobs. No one quit. There was no fires that I know about. It was great. It know? was. I think we were together in the Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was fun. Ran a marathon, trained yeah. for a marathon. Crazy man. Then I um, came back and spent a week with my kids down in Queenstown. And, yeah, and then we caught up after that and looked at the numbers and we made 1.3 something turnover for the month. It's Killer. That's it. Yeah. Hit, hit targets and work out what's gone right that month and try and do it again next month. Replicate it. So like I thought today, this it'd be fun to sort of drill into two conversations. Uh, the first is how do you actually grow a business from the ground up uh, and, and grow a substantial business? And I think that will be super interesting for the listers. And then second... We can dig into you know how you've structured the business once it was a substantial business, so it's actually fun uh, and easier uh, to own and more fun to own for you. Uh, and like you said, like everything's not perfect, and and you know, newsflash in business, there's always stuff to do. Uh, that's fine, uh, but there's some great lessons here. Uh, so I think the first thing is, what do you think has enabled you to grow a you know a substantial business when lots of tradespeople they struggle to even hit a million dollars in revenue. So what do you think it is that allowed you to do that? I think first you have to want it. Like you can't just go and accept it and think it's going to happen. Um, you have to really want it, you know, and it's going to be tough. So I was thinking of a rugby league story back in the day when I was at a really, really high rugby league level in Auckland. President's Auckland. grade? Yeah, pretty much. But we used to go out South Auckland and play like, you know, the big South Auckland teams. These some big island boys, you know, and you'd be running into the line, bang, bone rattling tackles every time, you know. Every time you couldn't go, your first three tackles rugby league straight up the guts. You have to go. You just got to take it. You can go slow or fast. Doesn't matter. You've got to go. Every time you got smashed, it would hurt, you know. And there's like, to me, I was like, there's three options to do. I could quit. That's one option. I could maybe go play touch football and uh, soccer, which I do now because I'm freaking old. Or number three, I was like, we could learn to punch for these big boys, you know. I chose number three. I went and got fit. I learned the game. I got the skills. And then we carried on the season. We done all right in the season. I think we got fourth in Auckland or something. But I remember in one game we were out there running into these guys. After about 60 minutes, we broke them. Their fitness was gone. We'd beaten them. I just remember, like, if you want to do it, you know, you've got to jump in. There was no fear. Like, you yourself. But you jump in with no fear. You've got to learn fast. If you want to punch for the big boys, learn what they're doing. You know, like, 
get good at what you do. If you see someone do something, you're like, well, why can't I do it like that? You know, I'm a plumber, he's a plumber, you know. Well, what's he done different that I haven't done? So I think that's what it will enable you to get to a, grow a bigger business, you know. Like, everyone's faking it at the start. You know, if you go back and look at your first podcast, it'd yeah, be horrible. It's awkward. We'll watch it after this. Right? That's <laughs> we'll right, we'll, yeah, go, yeah, we'll that's go watch right. it after this. But everyone was faking it at some point in time. So, you know, it's just, you, you kind of fake it till you make it. And I've been a firm advocate of that saying, but you've got to back it up. You know, you've got to get good. You can keep faking it, you look like an idiot. But at some point in time, somewhere, some person was always faking their job before they got good at it, especially the experts, you know. What were the maybe the key moments, key clients that happened along the way that you, you went from, oh, I kind of don't know what I'm doing, to I feel like I'm on the front foot with this now? Yeah, a couple. Oh, there's, there's multiple divisions to the business, but um, if I look at the maintenance side, like we, um, I got a contact at New Zealand Fire Service and I went and saw him and didn't want to know me, bought him a coffee, or hey, I'll give some work, no, yeah, whatever, leave your card here. Um, he said they will use you as the second guy, you know, the other guy looks after us. Um, they couldn't get to a job once. I was, I was there before, they, before the fireman even knew I was there, you know, and I went in and fixed his job anyway. We got uh, like our foot in the door and we stayed as a second guy and then after a while they, they rung me and he's like, oh, you seem to turn up whenever we need you. The other guy's letting me down, come in for a proper meeting. You know, and then from there it kind of just, you know, we gained news, uh, I think Region 1 maintenance for the New Zealand Fire Service. And from that point we have not dropped that ball. There was another guy, They guys come and go, the second guys, they always keep a second person in there. But I won't drop that ball, you know, and you kind of... I don't know, he's just slowly become more and more professional, you know, at doing it. You know, I made everyone wear a uniform. I never bought white vans because it didn't matter if it was a high ace or an L300. They look the same. It looks uniform. It looks professional. If I look back and now, I was like, some of our stuff was so faked how professional I thought we looked, you know. Like, but, hey, we, we, we slowly built it and built and built on that. Now you look at us, I'm like, it's, I'm surprised it came from my idea. You know, it's like, you're just an idiot that got told to leave school at 17 to be a plumber. Well, let, let's look at that. So you did leave school relatively early. You maybe didn't see yourself as being super book smart. How did you deal with that, I guess, that image you had of yourself? Because I think a lot of people in the industry feel like that. They almost feel a little bit like they're maybe not good enough or don't have the smarts. How have you dealt with that? I think if you look at tradesmen, if I could walk to any plumber in the country or around the world, you know, that's probably watch this, Ask them if they're a good plumber, they're going to say, yes, I'm a good plumber, I'm a good sparky, I'm a good tradesman. If you go and ask any of those same people, those business owners, are they a good business owner? Most of them will reluctantly say, yeah, I'm okay. We learn how to be good tradesmen through the schools, through our skill sets as well, our mind, you know. But no one actually sits down and, you know, says, hey, you know, how you got three or four or five plumbers? You know, you need to create a company. Like, no, no, I'll just keep smashing the jobs, I'll do the invoicing at night and they'll... You know, Sheila will do the payroll on Tuesday. That's how it kind of works. But no one actually teaches you that. You need meetings, you need your your org chart, you need job descriptions, you know, you need uniforms, you need processes, systems and everything. So there's no, there's nothing there for that. We just get real good and scale and scale chaos to 70 people. You know, I have had a coach, two coaches before that, and they have been good. It's got the ball rolling with a lot of our stuff. But the difference, I think, between them and where I came to Profitable Trady was that you got someone like yourself and Phil being like, hey, just f***ing do it. You know, if you don't want to do it, just leave. You know, and you're like, oh, I don't want to leave them. The accountability's there. You know, you're getting your ass kicked. Before, I'd just pay the guy and then I'd kick his ass and then I got sick of listening to him. He's probably going to listen to this, but I'd send him off to the girls in the office. You know, great guy, doing a great job. Um, but the difference was that now my ass is getting kicked and if I don't want to be here, just leave. You know, and that's a, that's a big thing when someone says, get out. You're not part of this course. You're not complying with what? Yeah, I mean that—that's huge. Um, Got to say, I enjoy good ass kicking. Yeah, 
Yeah, makes me feel like I've done my job. Yeah. Um, happy days. Uh, Must get it at home, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I know he's kicking asses at home. It ain't me. But anyway, so if we switch that around a bit, you know, you, you've seen lots of um, young plumbers and smaller businesses and you, you have a few partnerships uh, as well that you that you run uh, in different areas. What do you think are the mistakes that the, the guys who are thinking of growing or trying to grow, what do you think are the mistakes that they're making? That uh, you can see that maybe you made some of them or you didn't make them because you must have a pretty good idea on that. Yeah, I, I think getting a structure and a system, the sooner you can get into a structure, the sooner you can get people to work uh, their job descriptions intertwining with the other's job descriptions so people stay in their lane and just do their job rather than going and you know stepping into Bob's office and stepping into you know Jackie's office and you know it, it's the accountability lines through that that will make it happen. And I know it sounds all high-level, big company stuff, but this shit happens with a five-man band, mm-hmm. you know? And you may do three or four of those roles, but just do those three or four. If someone else is in charge of operations, let them be in charge, you know? There's sort of 100 plumbers that probably run underneath me at the moment with the other branches. I could probably name two sites that I know where those plumbers are. That's it, as long as they're performing. This is the conversation that um, I think we have as coaches uh, you know, we've other people who have big businesses like yourself in the program and a smaller business owner is struggling with letting go of stuff or letting someone else do it. Maybe it's invoicing, for example, and it's like, well, do you think Matt or Graydon or someone else like that, do you think they're doing the invoicing for their 80, 90 staff and stuff? They're like, no. Well, do you think if you carry on doing it that you're going to be able to get to that level? Oh, probably not. Uh, and so it's quite a mindset shift for people though, isn't it? It is. The, the, the invoicing was a hard one for me to let go. should have let go of it earlier. What I should have done earlier is just set a template. This is what I need to make. This is what the company needs to make to survive. You can win some, you can lose some. And a great plumber, a great tradie will always look at an invoice, oh, you can add a bit more there. You know, we use six of those from the van and, you know, they, they will never know. And, like, there's there's that aspect to it. But you're talking sense, you know. But if you're not there worrying about the sense, you know, who's looking for that next big job? You're worrying about the sense on Mrs. Jones's house, but... Meanwhile, down the road, some guy's breaking ground and screaming out for a plumber and you're not there because your head's too buried in those scents on that little PTFE tape or whatever. And that's the problem. The sooner you get away from that and just chase those big you know, the big rocks, you know, we all say chasing those, concentrate on those, all of this shit will just work out. You don't give a fuck about scents. It'll just, it'll disappear. Yeah, that's that's massive. We can definitely count the pennies and forget the pounds. That's it. Uh, and I think that the challenge, and I'd love to know your thought on this, is you, you have some really good skills, uh, and, and like most people are successful, it's hard to even believe that about yourself sometimes, but you are good at the jobs you've done in the business, you know, at being a plumber, at estimating, at getting invoices, at winning work, all that sort of stuff. How do you deal with the challenge when you know that you're better than a lot of your team are doing that? If someone's 90% good at something, let them be 90% good at it. They're never going to be as good as you. Estimating, I can't barely use ground plan. You know, there's a girl in our office, 27 years old, she'll carve me up all day on all those systems, but I can throw a number like an old clonk head at a job, and I'm normally pretty close, you know, but forget about that, you can't do everything, you have to let that stuff go, measuring, you know, sending invoices, accounts, you have to get your head out of that, what are you good at? My my role, I'm good at getting work, that's what I believe, and I'll never stop doing that, and if I stop doing it, I think we may shrink, we may not, if I could teach someone else to do it. But that's all I want to do. That's the next thing I'm going to kick your ass about. But, you know, yeah. anyway, that's another yeah. story. So I think, Matt, there's some things that you do better than most, and I'd love to dig into those. Uh, one of those is um, the fact that lots of businesses have, you know, good periods of revenue and profit. So they might have several months of good, then have a couple of months that are rubbish. And so they often give back all the gains that they've made 
you know, with the bad months, just sucking the profit from the good months. So something that's impressed me over the last 18 months, you know, when we sit in our squad and we look at the numbers, is you become really good at maintaining consistent revenue and profitability across the entire year. So what do you do to make this happen, to get that consistent revenue and profitability? So I, I, there's a couple of aspects to being consistent. So the, and then yearly consistent. We all have those waves up and down. Yeah. Um, my, my wave and most are around Christmas. Um, between February and December, end of November, it's easy. I just give my guys monthly targets. Oh, you hit those targets. That's what you got. If you've got 20 plumbers, you're going to turn over 400 grand, give or take. That's, that's your target. We look at the GP. It's roughly right. Maybe more finishing fixtures, bigger orders, but that's kind of how we can consistently get it. You can only get so much out of one person. Come close to the Christmas. Everyone shuts down for Christmas. Everyone's like, I want to go sit on the beach and turn my phone. I've had the busiest year of my life and made heaps of money. And that's great, and we all want to do that. But you know what's worse than sitting on the beach at Christmas relaxing because you've had a hard year? It's coming to February and trying to pay your tax and your accounts and everything else, and you've got no friggin' money because you didn't work over Christmas. So what I've tried to do is pull jobs forward, you know, especially a bigger company, but a lot of people want to work through Christmas. No one wants to take you know, three weeks, four weeks off at Christmas because you've had enough, you know, because you're too controlling to let people work where you're not working or too unorganised, however it is. You know, there's these guys out there that want to work. Let them work. Book the jobs in. You know, we've got programme maintenance stuff. We pull it forward. You know, your school's shut over Christmas. You know, we're, we're in there, in there, you know, and there's a certain amount of days you have to have off. We kind of shut, theoretically, for the two weeks, but... An extra week after that, 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 that's the killer. That kills you. You get to the momentum doesn't start. Everyone comes back. They have the slow week back, you know. They're off to the beach knocking off early. And I, I, I watch it, you know. It stunts, stumbles companies, you know. In the profitable trade, you're looking at other, you know, P&Ls with you know, other companies. It's, stum- it's stunting them in the year. Some don't recover at all, you know. 100%. Yeah, it's just, it's to be able to have that consistency and you, you've got to drive it. You've got to drive that, you know. You, you've got to see the opportunities, if you're too buried in your spreadsheets or your invoicing, you're not going to see the opportunity to get some sites going over work. A lot of schools need done over Christmas. Get, you know, get in there, get in the ears, find out who's doing the jobs, find out there. Well, I think something you touched on too is your team, you know, uh, depending on where you're based, what state or country would depend on the you know, the leave and vacation you get. But if you're giving your team some, some leave, uh, they don't want to take it all in one spot. Because then they've got nothing for the rest of the year as well, and that's actually terrible for productivity. Because they get sick, you know, they work for seven, eight months, they get sick because they're tired and they've had enough, uh, and so this that side of it as well, which um, you know, Kill, kills the culture. Does exactly. Yeah. I have to I have to take time off because you're off. It's like, I don't, I don't yep. even like you. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's what that's the look you get from the people. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, it's it's yeah. You make it work for people, and that's a big culture building thing. You know, leading someone in charge, good trail training period good trial period for someone to be in charge where you're going you know, let go of it yeah see what, see what happens yeah well let's let's dig into culture and team because uh, that's something i love about what you do and obviously to to grow a bigger business requires a bunch of employees uh, it requires you actually being able to recruit and hire uh probably just as importantly maybe more importantly to keep them uh there's nothing worse than having to replace people that have left because you're sort of standing still so what do you do uh, that you think works really well to attract and retain good people that you think other businesses just haven't quite figured out yet? We've been massive on our gateway programs for four or five years now, so we're, we're seeing the fruits of our labour now. We've got qualified guys that you know built into our culture, built our way. So gateway uh, depends on where you are, but that's basically where you go to the schools and you take 
you know, potential guys who from school uh, and they have a program through the school to start them getting exposed to the business and you it. can see who's good and who's got the got the right stuff and then pick them up. Yeah, we, we find the fit yep. for free. Yep. You know, we get it's free labour, you know, if they're and they just want to get out of school, we've got we've got holes you can dig for free and you know, or if you're good and you want to get involved, we've got people watching you asking you the questions, nurturing you along that year, and then you come to the end of the year, we sit in a room with you know, all our managers and supervisors, and but you pick those people, and so you hand-nurture them. That's what we draw our staff in with, the majority. Once they're in, we, you know, we provide a company gym, um, we've got a company bar, which gets overused a bit sometimes. Um, we even have, a for our Brazilian contingent guys, we uh, set up a Brazilian jiu-jitsu club, which has now become a business to one of our staff members who also attracts, you know, like people come to us because they want to join his thing and, you know, it's, it's not written down, they have to, but they, no, they want to, they want to be part of it and this is what holds these people here, you know, this is what stops them getting another $4 or $2 or $5 pay offer from somewhere else, um, that's what stops there, you know, that's, what's, that's what holds them to us. What makes them grow with us for long term is us providing a career path. So we give them a pathway to, for their careers. Um, they can start a branch, you know, we're growing throughout the country um, slowly. They can be an ops manager, you know, we've just put another line into our org chart, aiming for a 100 staff org chart, which is a division manager. So there's a whole lot of guys that are up there and we can, you know, it comes with a big pay rise, mm. big responsibility, you know, you get the new Hilux or whatever you want. But, you know, and it's providing that pathway for them, you know. But if you don't have your org chart, you don't have your systems, you don't have all that stuff, they can't see the pathway. They need the, the young guys from Gateway need to see them climbing through the system. Well, there's, you're right. There's something incredibly powerful when you can sit down with a young fella or, 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 or lady, young, young girl, um, and you can show them the actual org structure and say, this is where you are and this is the next step and then that's the next step. And if you're here you know, in six years' time, whatever, you could be doing this role and then that role, uh, brightness of future is incredibly powerful, and I think most uh, businesses in the trades and and uh, you know similar construction businesses, they really don't have that mapped out at all. Even for larger businesses, uh, it takes a bit of effort, but it's it's so so worth the effort. If you can create something that's larger than they will ever be, you know they're part of a team that's larger than anyone will ever be, even me. You know that that's belonging. They want to belong to that, and by providing that. People stay and people push for the common goal. You know, and you talk about the core values and the mission statements. We, you know, we have all that. We've involved a lot of them in building those. But you have to. It's good to. It's easy to say it, but you got to breathe it. You know, you got to believe it yourself and push the team that way. And as you do, the people. You know, we, we when it was busy, we were still getting people applying for jobs. Everyone's going out there throwing huge money out, which I don't agree with. You know, poaching people. We were still getting people applying for jobs. You know, now our we've got. Piles of CVs are now HR moments, you know, and it's from that, it's from that culture, that yep. belonging, that pathway. Yeah, and I think something that I, I've really appreciated about what you do is you're a very generous person. Uh, maybe you're too generous sometimes. Make sure you fit your own oxygen mask first. Yeah. <laughs> um, if that's a fault, it's a great fault to have. Yeah. Um, and so you do provide leadership. So you talked about the values and stuff. You know, people talking about it. But how, how do you think your business is different in the sense that it's real? And that uh, you know you've made it real. What? How does that happen? What have you done? Or what do you think the key there is? I, I don't know. It's just part of. I guess it's maybe it's my how my upbringing, my my life. You know who I grew up with. You know some of our mates are 
labourers, some of them in prison for Christ, and, you know, and then mates that run massive companies my size or bigger. Through, you know, and we still have that same group of friends that I've grown up with, and you know, like they'll always be my boys that will never, you know, they were there before everyone, they'll yep. be there at the end, you know. Um, yeah, it, it's just providing, I guess, just providing that and being part of it. I'm not the health and safety uh, girl came and ordered our company, um, and she looked at business and part of her role was to see if I was the director sitting in an ivory castle I think it was an ivory castle yep. so I'm sitting at the top and non, I'm untouchable and I've got everything and everyone's below me and it doesn't matter if they get hurt and the, her, the outcome of that she was like she's like you're the opposite of that she's like you're in there with them you are one of them you know yes I'm the boss yes I'm in charge but I feel I've given back you know I, I, what are you going to sit there with 10 different holiday homes and a bloody Lamborghini you drive to your Ferrari you're like well, what's that going to get in life you know if you can drag these people up with you, yes, you might get one Lamborghini, that'd be great. And they might get one too. And they, you know, and that's, imagine a team of that, you know, that's that's what people look at to grow with, you know, not just one guy right at the top pushing everyone else down because that ivory castle will be pretty lonely when you, especially at your funeral. Yeah, that's huge, man. Uh, and something that um, I, I'm passionate about as well is uh, you can make lots of money and don't get me wrong, that's fun. Uh, but it's, and it's kind of fulfilling, but what's really uh, cool is when you see people growing, uh, you see the contribution you've made to their lives and you see them lifting themselves up and you've had some large or small hand to play in that. It's actually, it kind of gives gives me goosebumps. Yeah. And I think that's the difference that really good leaders are able to do. Uh, it's not a selfish thing. Uh, it's it's um, it's obviously about results and, and making money is, is good, but it's the, it's the bigger picture and lifting people up is... Um, that's awesome. Anyone you speak to that you admire as a successful businessman, they've all helped someone. 100%. I, I can't think of anyone that I've chatted to or looked as sort of, you know, an inspiration to me and as a mentor almost that hasn't helped anyone. I don't know that person. But every person that I do speak to, and I've got a lot of, you know, two of my uncle's done really well, my dad's done quite well, friends of theirs, friends and business, you know, acquaintances, I look how they've helped other people and that's kind of where I, I guess I've just, naturally progressed towards that that way and you know you help people you know my oxygen masks are on now yeah, yeah um, you got to do that because you can't help people if you're not yeah surviving but yeah i'm okay now i can start helping others yeah, and, yeah. it's awesome let's talk about sales so uh my experiences with with entrepreneurs who have grown successfully and quickly is that they are great at sales and winning work and i think you fit the mold here so uh, how do you go about sales and what makes you successful here so coming down here so auckland to hamilton um, 1.5 hours in the mist. I called two people um, from construction companies around the country. Uh, one of them I got a meeting next week. That's just because I had time. I'm in my car. Um, you got to hustle. Every day is a hustle. You know, you got to, if it's your job, you can get good at it, you know. Um, your ops managers can't hit these targets that you provide if you can't provide the sales. You know, like the, the, the sales is the, is the lifeblood of any business. Feed the machine and don't worry about what happens out after that, you know. And because and I've given up on worrying, I've not given up on worrying, that's the wrong word to use. I'm not concerning my time with other jobs running all right. They can report to me at the end of the month. Um, we'll, we have jobs that aren't running right, but I'll deal with that when we deal with them. But it's about having that time to be able to chase it. And, you know, like I, I cross the road, Kaingora, there's an office right there. I just, I've, if I need work, I just walk right in there and ask them what builders are doing what in this area. And, you know, but having, the, I guess you got to be brave enough, you got to have a good, good chat, that's pretty good, you know, like you can't, you know, walk in and be a bit of a dull, um, 
few beers, a couple of big nights out. That's gone a long way with a lot of people. And um, just a coffee. You know, um, our first customer in Plumbilt, Nona Henson and Edgar Henson, who sadly passed a little while, a few months ago. But um, she was our first customer. We still look after her properties today. She has about 120 rentals. She oversees as a property manager. Mm-hmm. Um, loveliest lady. She's part of our family, you know, like that's, you know, she's, my brother goes and stays up on the farm and they shoot deer and whatever with, you know, that, that's, that's all good grabbing all these customers in, but look after, you know, look after what you got, you know. I don't speak to Nona too much um, lately, but she's been to one of our uh, maintenance manager, but like that just shows what, you know, if you can keep your first customer and you can check your second customer, what's the best testament to how good you are is that your first customer still uses you 15 years later. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love what you're saying there about sales. Is uh, Sales is actually, it's a way of life. It's, it is. It's a mindset. Uh, and it's it's actually being open to opportunity wherever it is and being willing to actually just pick up the phone or just do that little uncomfortable thing. Uh, yeah. It's always, it, yeah, I'm sure it is even for you. It's, it's, a, it's, it's always a, uncomfortable. It's a little yeah. bit uncomfortable yeah. when you've got to approach someone, uh, but you know because you've done it that the payoff is there. And this is the thing I think for a lot of business owners is that the success or the payoff is always on the other side of uncomfortable. There's, you know, the, the little tough conversation you've got to have, the the uh, tough conversation you could have with a team member or whatever it is or a client, uh, the success or the improvement is always on the other side of that. So I think with sales, it's the same thing. Yeah. Actually, we do have to put on our big boy pants or big girl pants yeah. and just go and do it. Just get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. That's it. That's your job. That's my job now. Yeah. I'm always uncomfortable. That's, that's fine. Yeah, yeah and that's, you, that's the norm now. Yeah, that's right. And you build that muscle, yeah. uh, which is which is cool. Um, so let's just focus on the last couple of years, and you've talked about scaling chaos, you know, having a successful business financially from the outside, and then how do we actually turn that from revolving around you to, to where you are now, which is much more stable. So what have you actually done to go from frantic and running everything to be able to step back and let your team step up? Everything, I think, uh, heads back to the organisational chart of a business, right? Just talking about sales, my job sales, I'll do my job well. You know, operations, they will do their job well. You know, it's having the right people. So I guess just if you can organise that organisational chart, get their JDs in place and let them go for it. You know, let them fail and then fix the problems. Don't stand there like you're at the edge of the cliff. Oh, you're going to fall, you can let them fall. You know, pick them up. As long as it's not a big fall, they'll they'll survive, broken leg, whatever. But it's, it's it's not about micromanaging everyone all the time and it's there's a lot of good people in our company um our office manager i think she's 27 28 years old she's quick she's faster than me you know and she's helping me build these systems and stuff and like i sit there and give her my ideas but i just send her in the direction get the hell out of her way and let her do it you know and that is what you have to do because i can sit there and micromanage her but I'm just going to slow her down. And to be honest, she'll probably just bugger off and do it for the next person if, if you can't provide that pathway, but let them go for it, you know. And that's, I guess that's just a step back and let them go. And then you, you correct them, but you can't you can't be there to micromanage at all, you know. Like the, the JDs, the the targets every month, if the guys don't hit the targets, we let them two months, you know, everything works in cycles. One month good, two month good, third month bad. As long as we're like, we are, I look at quarters now, not so much monthly and, if there's two quarters bad, we'll talk to that ops manager. Do you need more work? Oh, I'm busy as yes, we're making mistakes, and you, you fix those problems, not the you know, not those the, the, you, not the ones that you can foresight. That probably don't even happen half the time. Yeah, that's that's huge. Uh, it sounds simple. Uh, there's a lot of you know. There's definitely some work in that getting the structure right. Uh, so, um, 
One thing I, I think that's I've found incredibly powerful. I know I do the podcast with Phil, and he's like the the right hand man that I have, and he pretty much runs the business. Uh, and I know that um, the office manager you're talking about is is doing a similar sort of thing for you. How powerful it is is it having a I guess you call them a two IC or a right hand person that you can rely on totally that you know has got your back. You've got their back. What sort of difference has that made for you? It gives you the confidence to keep pushing into those unknown, you know, like we're looking for other territories now, you know, the regions to work in. And if Auckland falls over tomorrow, there's no point going to any other region, you know, like we've got to make sure it's right. So that gives me the confidence that I know it's running right. We've got a team of three good ops managers, a good drainage manager, and then we've got um, the office manager who kind of oversees the whole business structure and that they're kind of pulling things through. So without having them, I, I have no confidence. Like, my confidence bleeds off them, you know, like, of how they're performing. If they fall and I don't pick them up, the business falls, there's no point being down in the next region trying to tell everyone how great I am because you're not great. You're just you're faking it properly now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's dig into um, mindset and between the years changes because I think that's a huge part of success in business and uh, the bigger your business gets, the more successful you are. I think this is, funnily enough, even more important. Uh, so what have been the mindset changes that you've made that have helped you improve uh, over the time that we've been working together? I guess just don't be a tight ass. You know? <laughs> Pay the money, get people to you know, let them do it. It's... You pinch the pennies to you know to save the pounds, like we say. But it, it's like mentally, you need to take a step back and get your own oxygen mask on, get yourself right, you know. And it's realizing that you're not going to be the best at everything, but there's other people out there, and let them go for it, even though your way is better. Because you know, when you're right, you're right. That's your way is better. But proven over here is it's not. You know, your way was just the only way. You know, it's it's ignorance. You know, um, being able to just stand back and like let let other people do it. That that. It's been the biggest, that's the click in my head that I'm like, all right. And I sit there sometimes, I'm like, you're failing, you're going to f*** this up. And they don't. And then I'm kind of confused at why they didn't stuff it up. And then I look and I'm like, well, that went better than I could have actually ever done. And then you're just glad you kept quiet because you're like, I would look like a d-. have, have that, you know, conversation internally, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like you can, yeah, let, letting things go, let it go. And, but be good at what you know you can do, you know, your role, find your role. My role is to run this organised structure, which I use my sort of office manager to do, and it's a feed work and make sure the ops managers are performing the work right. I don't have to worry about them. All of them are better than me on the tools, you know, these days. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah, getting a little bit, uh, a little bit flabby with the old uh, tools oh, muscles. Oh, right, yeah, geez, yeah. <laughs> You're never as good as you used to. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, how important has it been to get outside help uh, in terms of the success you've had with your business? And what have you valued most about the help you've received? One thing I have valued the most is, like, when, you, when you're a leader, you're the strong one. No one actually knows when you're suffering, you know, because you're, you're the alpha male, you know, you're the top dog. No one actually knows that you, you, you're struggling along and, you know, you're, you're holding your face up well, you've got 70 people, you look like it's going good. Um, through my time with Profitable Trady, there was when we were moving offices, I think it was one side of COVID and whatever it was, it was, you know, a lot of shit was going on and I just couldn't be, there's just too much going on. I was like, and I spoke to Phil and he, um, he's like, yeah, no, you've got too much going on, just have a bit of time off. I was like, oh, I might just quit. And he goes, oh, I'll just come back in a few months. And just to have someone who realises that beside you, you know, that's a big thing for me, you know, it's like, 
few of my mates hit me up, you know, especially the ones running at high level. If you're riding, you like, yeah, yeah, you know, they, they appreciate that. It's massive, but like, not many people know the guy at the top is he's always going to be strong. So, I guess for us, you know, like the coaching's great and you got to follow it and all that. But just having that person beside you that you can be actually vulnerable to, you know, you're like, oh shit, no, I'm not good, mate. You know, I've got to keep a strong face. To the other whole lot of people that think that you know the lions never f- saw, but. It's yeah. So that that to me, it's just good to be able to just be able to sit down and say, look, I'm not all right. You know, things aren't going too good. Let's need some time. Um, and yeah, that that's that's huge to me. But it's also, you know, up to up to probably yeah, when I started, you know, with, with this group, and you know, I, I haven't been open to that. I've always just bottled it down. Yeah, you'll get through, mate. You'll be sweet. And that, that's a male thing to do, you know. Now I'm a bit more open to be like, no, I'm not going good. And, you know, and, and having those open conversations too. I mean that just with yourself and with your staff and your mates and your coach, you know, and it's, yeah, it, it changes things. And uh, I think the thing that's exciting for me is um, for you and your business venture and ventures, there's, the best is actually yet to come, uh, which is which is cool. And so I think the projects you work on in the future will be even more exciting. Uh, so that's, I think, definitely something to look forward to. I know you've got a lot of, lot of plans and a lot of ideas, uh, and uh, my hope for you is that, you know, it's fun. And it gives you a lot of life and joy. I think that's the key thing. When you get to a certain level, uh, the money's sort of taken care of, uh, but it's about how can I make an impact on the world? How can I enjoy it? And how can I um, create a life that I love yeah. uh, as well? And yeah. I think you've got a massive opportunity to keep doing that. Thank you, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's why I can see now is helping or growing other people more than it's growing me, which is massive, massive change. I, I would have never thought that two years ago. I'll just, just get this business right. No one has fun sitting on the beach on holiday, that's you know, it's that, that, that's fun for a week. You know, well, that's right. You need purpose. You need purpose, and and I think we've talked about that in the squads a few times. What's the purpose? Because making another million dollars a year is kind of nice. It's a scorecard, yeah. uh, but it's it's not going to really fulfil your life's purpose. Yeah. One turns to two, two turns to three, yeah. and yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's it's not, a, there's it's always more. Yeah, uh, the, I, the ivory to castle slowly gets built. That's and built right. And that's another right. Lamborghinis yeah. in the driveway. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We should definitely go racing. That sounds yeah. fun. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Uh, but man, it's been cool to hang out today. Really appreciate your words of wisdom. Uh, there's some gold in here for people to listen to. So uh, keep up the good work, mate. Cool. Thanks for having me along. Next week on the Profitable Trading Podcast. Why do so many successful tradespeople and technicians struggle to make the jump to being a successful business owner? And why do so many business owners grow their business to a certain level and then just get stuck, unable to push through to the next level of success? Tune into this week's podcast where we discuss how your gift of being great at getting the work done may be the very thing that's stopping you succeeding as a business owner. This episode will be controversial and will challenge you to change the way you see your role in your business. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trady, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group, and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Trady Podcast.